Strictly Legal, Osgood Professional Development's podcast about all things legal. Each week we unpack issues currently affecting the legal landscape with the help of some of the industry's leading thinkers. This week, the impact of AI and machine learning in Canada's legal system. And now, your host, Amy Terhar. automated decision-making in a surprisingly broad range of legal contexts, which includes police work, court and evidence management, and the legal profession itself. Certainly, AI has the potential to improve aspects of the justice system and the practice of law, but our experience also demonstrates that these technologies can be opaque, hard to explain, and discriminatory. I think one of the biggest tricks here is to help us, as legal professionals, understand what we don't know about what we don't know. And here today to help guide us along in this quest are Aizan Zakhan and Jimmy Chan. I'm going to chat with them about how AI can promote justice and fairness and about how we can ensure that AI-based processes are accountable to stakeholders. Aizan and Jimmy are the co-founders of Custodia Inc a company which monitors the health of machine learning data pipelines. A lot of people talk about AI and most of them focus on building and deploying these systems. However, very few worry about whether they perform as intended and in a way that is free of bias, prejudice, and errors that affect end users. Jimmy and Aizan have designed software addressing this exact issue, software that monitors and alerts developers about issues in the machine learning models so they can act accordingly. Welcome, Ayazan and Jimmy. Today, I'm hoping that the two of you will be able to communicate to a non-technical audience that is trying to understand how to bring the technology into their practice or into their firm or into their business. Before we can even build automated decision-making systems that are free of bias, we need to find a way to define bias itself. So how do we even define bias? Where do you start? Well, first, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for the intro. You're you're both such great communicators, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to how how you can help our audience understand a little bit more about machine learning. Great. Uh, so the uh, when it comes to bias, I think uh, people, uh, the main key we're trying to convey is not everything is a bias. So just because when people talk about bias, they usually talk about the uh, gender the race, age, uh, maybe occupation, things like that. However, it's not always the case that those things are used mm, to discriminate someone. Right. Sometimes you need those features for your model to perform properly, but sometimes there is some human bias, some prejudice in those features. So, for example, if you uh, if you work at a hospital, mm, you don't want to you don't want to discriminate someone's based on their gender when you're hiring them. But when you use machine learning to diagnose them, maybe gender needed. So in that case, it's not so much of a bias, it's more of a feature. Right. So I guess the uh, what I'm trying to say here is not everything is a bias. That's the first question. And the second is, uh, as, as a data scientist, as a machine learning engineers, we can code you for anything. So right. we can we can solve a problem. Probably we can solve a problem with a bias. 
if we know what bias is. So right. the the challenge here is more of a uh, how do we how do we even address the bias in in our world? Do we know what bias is in our real world today? Yeah. So I think one one of the points there is that when you're using data such as you know sex, color, race, religion, it, it doesn't always. So if you're asking for this data, it doesn't always mean that you're about to build a system that is going to be biased. Uh, sometimes you need these characteristics uh, because you got to represent the world as it is, right? Uh, and so the example we we're talking about the other day was, okay, if you were to build a model that is predicting, um, that's forecasting sales or inventory or products for a, for a supermarket or a retail chain, um, the, the food that people eat is really correlated to, you know, where you come from, right? Of course. And so, and so, so that that's that's where it, it can get sensitive in the sense that you know I'm asking for this information to build a model that that does the job properly, right? Um, but does that mean I'm being biased, or does that mean I'm about to build a model that 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 has prejudice in this? And so and so I think there's a lot of nuance around this as well, right? And so um, from a perspective of of building writing regulations or guidelines, I think sometimes it's not so sort of black and white. Sometimes there's a little bit of nuance, uh, and it requires an understanding for what the systems will be used. Um, and and what Ayajan was suggesting t- in this case is when we build the systems, I think we need to include the right people as part of the system, right? So, and it, it doesn't just include government or policymakers or, or legal professionals. It also has to include the people that are going to be using these systems and also the people that are affected by these systems. Uh, and so you can kind of bring these people together as you build um, as you build these systems. And so when you're talking about these systems and machine learning and AI, let's back up a bit for the benefit of our audience. Mostly in legal practice, they're contemplating how to bring in machine learning into both the business and practice in, in, of law. And so what does that look like for a lawyer? How would you communicate to a non-technical audience that's trying to understand how to bring the technology into their practice or into their firm or into their business? What, like, what are we talking about? So f- first, uh, I think we, we come from an engineering background, so we like to define things clearly first. And, and I think even from a legal perspective, you want to have some definitions around these, these, these concepts, right? And so specifically, if we look at Canada's directive on automated decision systems, they have a definition for it, which is that it includes any technology that either assists or replaces judgment of human decision-making. And these systems draw from fields like stats, linguistics, ComSci, and use techniques like rule-based systems, regression uh, models, machine learning, deep learning, right? And so it's funny enough, it's there's an Excel spreadsheet uh, fall under the under this definition, right? And so I, we need more clarity first around how we define these systems. Whoa, uh, yeah, right? absolutely. Interesting, right? Because like, if you take a an Excel spreadsheet that you're using to decide whether somebody is going to you know, get this benefit or somebody is going to get approval for this particular tax credit, right? The, the spreadsheet is actually aiding, right? Or in some cases, replacing that human judgment in that case. Uh, it's just been codified through an Excel spreadsheet as opposed to a machine learning model, right? And so I think I think the first part is to kind of sort of have a common understanding for what legally is considered an automated decision system. And I think maybe for the purposes of, of this directive, I think it makes sense to, for it to be just focused around these ML-based systems that are maybe more automated and where you can't tell, you know, what the rules were behind it. 
so you you ask you know what exactly are these deep learning models so essentially just think think of them as, as complex models they have multiple layers and each layer starts capturing more information uh, about the world right and those layers represent the world so if you start feeding a lot of data into a deep learning model each layer each node starts understanding that world right and this this is where it gets complicated because this is where we get into the explainability topic um, from from a, from a legal context, uh, even from a business context. Like, should we um, do we know what these uh, systems are doing? Uh, when when we first started looking at deep learning models, they were sort of automatically capturing all that all those patterns from the data. Um, now there's a lot more research going into the field of explainable AI. And what they're trying to do is to understand what each node is interpreting about the world. Ah. Right? And, and through that, now we have better ways to say, okay, this algorithm predicted this outcome. So, you know, do I give you citizenship, for example? Um, when we first started looking into deep learning, there were, it was very hard to tell why the algorithm made that decision because it's so hard to look into each one of these nodes and understand what the model is it's extracting about the real world. And, and, and representing it inside these models. Uh, now we've, we're investing a lot uh, in this field to make it m more explainable. And, and I think when you think about directives or guidelines or code of ethics from around the world, right, they all have this component of, can you explain what the algorithm is doing? Like, can you explain uh, right. how it came to this decision uh, so that the person who is impacted by that decision can actually maybe contest it, or they can have, uh, you know, better understanding for why they were denied of certain government credits uh, or tax benefits. What we want to explain is how the algorithm made the decision. Right, contrast that to traditional judgment and decision making, where someone will go through your application forms for citizenship, let's say, or for an, ap an application for a refugee, for example. And then somebody will go through this application and say, okay, you know, you have this background. It looks like, you know, your criminal check is, is checking out. So, you know, you're relatively safe. Um, and, and so, you know, therefore I decide to grant it to you. Or you can say the other thing, which is, oh, you know what? I think you have some criminal history. You, you, you seem like you might be a risk for, you know, this city or this country. Uh, and so in that case, you can always go back to this person and ask them, you know, what were the factors that, that you were thinking about when you denied this application, right? Uh, and it's a lot easier to have some, ask someone to do this. Uh, but because these systems are built in a way that, that requires so much data, right? How do we know what the algorithm is, what, what patterns it's capturing to make those decisions, right? When you make a decision, can you explain how did you end up with that decision? Most of the time, you just you just came up with a solution, right? And you don't know, okay, I thought about this because before that I thought about this, before I thought about this, and so on, right? Right. You just came up with the right answer, and it just clicked. That's so you mean even as a human, yes. as we make decisions, like how do we explain why we, you know, decided to help someone, right. for example, right? right? Like, when I meet you, or when I met you for the first time, like I immediately liked you. Right. Why did I immediately like right. you? Yeah. So it's hard to explain. Like I think even for a human, I mean, sometimes it's easier after the fact to, to, to justify, to give it a rationale for why you made a particular decision. Uh, so I, I, th I think there's, there's some challenges there too. Yes. So and uh, and actually, uh, we can kind of 
I guess, explain simple decisions. But as the decisions become more complex, there are more little nuances, more little uh, things that we need to consider. Uh, that's the case where deep neural networks are so much better than, let's say, classical machine learning or even the uh, basic decision tree or like basic if-else statement uh, rules. And uh, one example that I can bring is uh, AlphaGo. So this is an algorithm that is almost has intuition to play games. So uh, for example, let's say you play chess. So most of the best uh, players, uh, chess players, they just know the answer. They right. just, they look at it and they know. There's no way for them to explain why do you think this is the best move? Like, I don't know, I just know that this is the best move. How? They didn't think about every single step. But as a new player, you actually think about every single step, right? All right. Now, what we did after that is we tried to codify it. First, we built algorithm with if-else statements to play chess based on rules. Okay, it didn't do well, but it played chess. Next, it was we used some machine learning. It was it was doing okay, but still it had some reasoning. Okay, if this happening, then I do this. If this happening, then I'm doing this. Right. Today, the best chess player algorithms are all deep uh, deep uh, deep learning based, and those algorithms almost have intuition. Wow. And you have no idea how they come up with their answers, but they just consider so many little things. It almost feels like they have intuition, and they mimic human patterns. So now the, the question is, if we want explainable systems, we might have to compromise the quality sometimes. So there's so much to dive into here. I know, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I, think, I think most, I think when you think about it, most countries, companies, cities understand that there's a lot of value in machine learning. There's a lot of productivity gains. Uh, there's a lot of economic gains uh, that can be realized by machine learning. So that that's table stakes. Like people know this. Yes. Uh, and so the the other side is, you know, what are the trade offs that we're making between the sort of these these productivity gains versus the potential to maybe harm a person, uh, harm human rights or health, or or maybe the ecosystem, right? And so it, it's always it's always about the trade off. And I think when 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 you read about some of these guidelines and directives, you know. Everyone is trying to figure out a way to balance those, right? One of the topics we were talking about just last night was around, you know, this 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 race towards building the best systems. If, when you think about Europe, the way they're approaching their guidelines for for building AI is they want to create a brand around trustworthy AI. So they want to say, we as in the European Union, we want to be the providers of trustworthy and ethical AI around the world. And the rationale, their argument for doing that is if you build a brand around trust and quality, you will get more people to use your machine learning models, which will lead to more data, which will lead to better models. Now, it's a strategy that the European Union is thinking about. And so whether it's the best way to, to go about it, we don't know. The, the, the Canadian approach is really about let's let's focus on our advantage as leaders in the research uh, of machine learning and AI and sort of use that to really develop maybe even also a brand of AI that's made in Canada that is not just high quality and robust from the fact that we have some of the best researchers in the world in Canada, uh, but that also includes some of these Canadian values, right? There's an advantage for Canada in the sense that 
if you look at our population, it's pretty diverse, right? And when we talk about building AI systems, um, machine learning models that represent the world, I mean, what a better place than, than Canada to do this, right? And so I think we have an advantage here to, to build not just robust systems, but also systems that, that have that implicit uh, trust uh, in them. And I think um, without opening an entire can of worms, Sidewalk Labs <laughs> is a really interesting use case for this scenario too, or what they propose to do um, with both the collection and use of um, data. It'd be really interesting to follow their approach in in looking at how to build good automated uh, decision systems. And what can we now do in the short term and perhaps in the long term to ensure that within the Canadian context? And and what do you see happening? Like what what's on the what, what's emerging? What's real? Where are we at? Or in, in making like in 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 deciding like good automated decision systems. Right. So uh, with the machine learning, first of all, the machine learning is very new. It's like if you if you look at the whole software development and the computer science field, machine learning is at baby stages. We have, we barely figure how to build stuff. We don't really know how to deploy it and we have no idea how to monitor. And when it comes to uh, the biasing, all the ethical issues, we know that something has to be done, but we have no idea what we need to do. So uh, right now, we kind of isolated maybe two areas where we can kind of de-bias it. So first one is, first problem is exclusion. So um, just like back in the days when the cameras first came out, uh, we they were, they were specifically built for white people, and black people couldn't really use it because the settings, the exposure didn't really work on them. So this is an example where the whole group got just excluded by technology. Same thing could happen. I never thought about that before actually. Yeah. Yeah, same thing could happen with the same thing could happen with AI. And AI is your algorithm is only as good as your data set. So if you don't have that group represented in your data set, they'll be excluded. Uh, One example that Google uh, brought is weddings. So uh, they built an algorithm that classifies weddings photos, but the that algorithm could only classify Western weddings, like in a white dress and suit. But when it comes to weddings in Nepal, in Senegal, or some other regions, the classifier was like, no, it's just two people. It's not a wedding. Of course. That's right. interesting. So that's the example of exclusion. Now, how do we address that? Uh, it's relatively that the biasing, uh, that problem is a lot easier than other ones. All you need to do is you just need to include more samples. You want to make sure that all the examples are equally represented. Uh, so that's the uh, exclusion part. The other one is actual prejudice or when algorithm has some skewed vision of a certain group based on some bias that we have. So machine learning is, all it does is it's just a mapping of the world, right? Whatever you give to the world uh, to the algorithm, that's what it understands. That's what it maps. So if you give if your data set is biased, then your algorithm will also learn the biased representation of the world, simply because that's all it knows. Um, so to to eliminate that, just like we said earlier, we have to address the issues of what is the bias. Do we even know what bias is in our world? For example, we know for sure that. Uh, black people being stopped by police 
is biased. Now, when mother gets custody, most of the time, is it biased or do we need it? So how do we define that? So this is, it, and if we, if we want this bias, if we think, okay, maybe for some reason, mothers are just better parents, what percentage? <laughs> These yeah. are tough questions. Right? It's like 95-5, 90-10. And how do we define that? Because like I said earlier, as the developers, we can code that. Just give us distribution and we'll put it down to code. But we have to define it here in this world before we even codify that part. Right. From just to, from a legal perspective too, right? Like if you, let's say if you're in, in a case, a particular case where, you know, somebody was negatively impacted by a decision from one of these systems. I guess one of the ways to look at it is, well, w sure, the system is biased, but the system is also built based on frameworks or or steps or recipes that are built by the people who built them, right? And so so there's two parts of it. It's One is the framework itself is biased. Then the algorithm, which is built on top of that to represent that framework, will likely be biased as well. And so from an argument perspective too, right, you can poke holes at both the algorithm, I suppose, and also just the framework itself. Like, was that framework built properly? Was that framework tested on people that it's going to be impacting on the other side, right? And so I think that's basically one, one part of it. It's the framework versus, like, the software system that, that builds to represent that framework. So those are, those are interesting points of arguments for, from a legal discussion perspective. Yes, and another thing is, it's really hard to um, even even when we uh, even when we build a software that is deep biased, right? Most of the biases are coming from the context as well. For example, uh, there are some words that certain group of people can say, but if other people say it, it's insulting. But if that group says it, it's okay. And let's say you build a uh, let's say you build a spam or like harassment filter on your website comments. How do you know who said that? And is it a positive comment? Is it a negative comment? Should you flag it? You don't know. You need to know context. But how do you know the context? Do you ask them, hey, like, are you this or not? Or are you going to build a classifier that classifies them based on their behavior? Isn't that biased already? So how do you find the context? So this is, these are the questions that we have to answer. And this is what uh, this is why I mentioned at the very beginning. Before we even move to debias our algorithms. We have to define clearly what is the bias in this world. Once we have that, you just, as a data scientist, just give me your distribution. Tell me, okay, these are the biases, these are not biases, and these are the percentages, and I can code it as a data scientist. But I think we have to figure out first what are those biases. Now, uh, the other thing is um, the, the, we have algorithms to debias things. So with the first one with the data set, that one is pretty simple. Just make sure you uh, include everyone in a data set. Second one is the model-wise. Uh, let's say for natural language processing, there's a thing called word embedding, which should just take the whole word and then represent in the space. That made a lot of noise with the uh, women being closer to nurses, conceptually, men being closer to doctors. That was a big problem, uh, but we can we can debias it manually by just finding the biased uh, spaces. For example, gender, and then see how far the doctors and nurses from male and female, and then manually move those points. 
So that that way we can devise it. Now, when do we need to do that? That's another question. So if you want to build an algorithm with that state-space representation, let's say to make a decision on whether you want to hire someone, yes, certainly you want to devise it. But if you want to make something based on using that information to, let's say, make prediction on the medical condition or something like that, then maybe you don't want to devise. Now, let's say you want to devise. So you devise based on gender. Then you devise based on religion. Then you devise based on age. So there's so many ways to devise. Like, when do you... What are the sets that we have to devise? What are the sets that we don't have to devise? And how about those cases where that specific work could be positive or negative, depending on how you use it? Yeah, this will require sort of uh, some sort of framework around thinking for which cases does it make sense to the bias and, and how should it be the bias versus for which cases we need to keep some of this information, right? So th that's that's I think that's something maybe from a government perspective or a regu regulatory perspective. As technologists, we'll follow guidelines, right? And But it'll depend on how, how these are defined. It's hard for a developer to to decide, basically, um, on these aspects. This has been Strictly Legal. Join us next time for part two of our conversation on the impact of AI and machine learning in Canada's legal system. <laughs>